2: Homesdale Radio, Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015 www.holradio.net
1: <laughs> Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio My name is Chris Hambling, and I will be hosting tonight's look back at a massive week for Crystal Palace First we had the news that US investment, US investment had been secured and then the Eagles continued their magnificent away form by winning at Stoke Stoke manager Mark Hughes put me in mind for condescending grandmother as he bemoaned his side's defeat. We'll find out if he had a point. We'll also be looking at the mercurial talents of Dougie Friedman as we debate his inclusion in the ultimate 25-man squad. Joining me today for the discussion, we have Lucy White. Evening. Good evening. Alex Pench. Hi. Tony Pearce. Hello, Homesdale Universe. And Patrick O'Quant. Hello. Hello. Uh, We do want to hear from you as well, the listeners. Head to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out how. Got a couple of presenters in the chat room as well, holradio.net forward slash chat if you want to get involved in there. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: Listen to Homestown Radio on the go. Using our Apple iOS app. Download at holradio.net forward slash iOS. Every pitcher tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram. At homestale Radio.
1: So, yep, yeah, just a remind you, coming up in a moment, it's created a lot of debate on Twitter and amongst the presenting team already. Uh, it's the ultimate 25-man squad. And this week, we're looking at strikers once more. And Dougie has been suggested by you uh, to be discussed this mm. week. Will we in him or will we bin him? Uh, some strong opinions coming in Um, if you want to get involved in that go to holradio.net forward slash vote to have your say Uh, you can not only vote in or bin but also support that with some comments Um, some interesting votes come in so far on that and um, I think it's going to be a very provocative debate Um, plenty more to come up in in, obviously in a moment we'll be doing the main body of the show which is to discuss the win against Stoke a fantastic win it was and, and always nice to get a sort of late goal particularly if it's an absolute screamer like we saw very exciting news that the uh, eighteen-month-long discussions uh, about Joshua Harris and uh, David Blitzer investing in Palace have now come to fruition. It's, they are now uh, co-owners. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the reported structure of that deal in just a moment. But uh, Patrick, you've got a little story. You nearly, uh, well, you should have bumped into them, didn't you? <laughs> uh,
3: yes, I did. So, um, as many may or may not know, um, I frequent a bar in. Um, or in Manhattan called the Fat Football Factory. It's where Palace fans go to watch the matches uh, last last year. Um, one of the Palace owners came over. Mr. Barrett was over there. Mm. It's um, there's a group in New York called the New York Eagles that get together. So yesterday I went there because my friend Will Block and his son Jack were there. So we're in this, uh, we're downstairs, and it's kind of quiet because there wasn't a lot of fans there. There were some fans over from, uh, actually from, um, from England. There's a woman I met named Samantha Emery. Shout out to Samantha, by the way, because she's on a honeymoon over here. And a couple of lads from Block B were there. So I'm sitting there watching the match, and it's very quiet. Like I said, we usually make a lot of noise. And I look to my left, and I see a man looks just like Joshua Harris. But I say to myself, that can't be him. Why would he be sitting in a pub when he's a billionaire watching a Palace match? So I uh, told my friend Will, I think that's Josh Harris. He goes, where? I said, look over there in the corner. So I took a picture of him. I didn't want to go over and bother him, honestly, because I'm not that kind of a person. And I heard he's a very private person anyway. So we get to halftime, we scored the goal, and everyone's cheering. He actually was jumping up and cheering when um, we got the penalty kick. And then I look around halftime, and he's gone. So I say to myself, "Well, obviously that couldn't be him. Why would he stay there?" So then I get on to I uh, get home, and I uh, I watch an interview with a uh, Steve Parrish and Chris Grace, and he mentioned that he was actually at the football factory watching the match. So I could have actually met one of the owners, and because I'm so, I guess for like a word shy, I didn't get a chance. So I think I have blown my chance. I'm very very upset about it, by the way. But anyway, shout be. out to Josh Harris. Uh, thank you for buying <laughs> yeah. our club. Well, or I'm not. sorry, investing in our club. Investing, yeah. I'm. am li- sure he's. I'm sure he's
1: listening keen to the <laughs> show. Uh, if not, I, I just couldn't think why he wouldn't. Exactly. Um, you know, plenty of opportunities for him to pop back down to the football factory. But I, I hope now so. The, now the secrets out. Um, yes. Not sure whether that happened. But just um, you know, we have to send Mark Ross over uh, with you. Do you remember Mark? Yes, he just no 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 fear at all. <laughs> doesn't matter who it is, he'll just go over and talk at them for as long as it takes.
3: Wow, oh, yeah, I need someone like that yesterday, definitely. Yeah. While well, saying a lot of, uh...
4: <laughs> yeah, but he has to he has to think, doesn't he? Did he yeah. know loads of the players? Um, is that from is that from doing that?
1: I think yeah, it is. But I think we well, think we're being mean to Mark. Mark is a legend. Yeah. I love Mark. Just, yeah. just said her too much. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get uh, talking about that investment. Uh, So I've been um, reading a few bits and pieces on it online today, including a a few comments um, on the BBS that uh, I believe it was Steve Parrish who was posting uh, has made and also watched a couple of the interviews, the one on the uh, free Eagles live player thingy. (laughs) It's good advertising for that there again. Um, And also the one that he did for Sky Sports as well. So it seems that uh, there's sort of a, Two tiers, if you like. There's a general partnership of three, which is uh, Harris, Blitzer, and Parrish, um, with Parrish doing the day-to-day work on that. But the the idea is um, similar to the way uh, 2010 worked, with you know all four people had to agree on the decision. It's those three people have to agree on the decision, and Steve Parrish is the one who actions it, if you like. So that's that's the the structure now. now the rest of 2010 remain with a reduced shareholding, and they go into this the second pool of investors, if you like, which is like the uh, the sort of limited partnership part. So that's where they don't have any direct control, but they're there uh, for advice, support, and, and obviously financial support as well. And there's going to be a whole bunch of new people in that, that tier, uh, you know, some other American investors that, that Josh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer know, but also um, it seems some British investors in there as well. So interesting uh, setup. I'm not sure if, any other uh, club works that way i'm sure someone will get in touch to let us know but um that's the sort of the, the technical part that i can gather from what's been um bit, been put on there not the most exciting way of explaining it but that's my first question to to my panel if you like i'll start with you actually alex um is it something that that you're excited about or are you feeling a little apprehensive at all
4: um a little bit a bit of both really I've, i really like the structure i think we've seen it in the past with you know owners and you know, not all foreign owners can be a bad, a bad thing, but we've seen it in the past with the likes of you know Randy Lerner at Villa. You know, when he came in, he was hailed as this like next big thing. You know, being able to you know plunge money into the club and you know look what's happened to them of late. You know, they're selling some of their best players, and you know he's not investing that much into the team. Um, and I, I like I like the structure you know with Parish involved because it means that you know we've got somebody who you know who's done a fantastic job. Over the past couple of seasons, and has been instrumental to you know our recent success, and and first and foremost, he's a, a Palace fan, and and you know a passionate Palace fan and, as that. So having him on side and having him making the decisions makes me feel a lot more comfortable than us just having a you know a foreign owner that's just going to treat it as his little plaything, you know. You know, sucking up all the TV money next year, and 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 you know, not taking the club's best interests at, at, at heart, and the fact that we've got that, you know, that injection of cash um for the new stadium, well, for to improve the stadium at the moment is another thing which I think is great, a great, a great thing because you know we need to, you know, build increase our revenues because everyone else is going to get this TV money next year, but the way you set aside from other clubs in the division is you know the. The stadium and you know the VIP hospitality yeah. and th- those yeah. types of things.
1: It's, ma- so... it's match day revenue and we're, we're yeah. well
4: behind on that.
1: Uh, Lucy your views?
5: Uh, I agree with everything Alex is saying I think it's you know there is always going to be that sense of doubt and worry that it's all going to go wrong and you, you'd, you'd think that they'll ruin the club and I know there's been a lot of people thinking that but I think it's a really exciting time for us we're we're progressing so well, um, and this is a real opportunity for us to update the stadium, have a fantastic looking stadium going into uh, Europa. <laughs>
3: um,
5: <laughs> if, if we get there, you know, we. as much as I love Sellers Park, it's dated now. And if we're seriously thinking about being contender, contenders in Europe, we need to have the stadium for that. And I just think this is a real positive for us.
1: Yeah, and it, the, the, ambition's important, isn't it? It's important to be ambitious and to put the right infrastructure in place. And I know Steve two parishes talked about missed opportunities in the past. But it's, I think it's that past hangover, you know, where we've we've been promised things in the before. You know, the Goldberg takeover was massive and everyone thought this is gonna be this is gonna be it for us, we're gonna take that step and it went horribly wrong. and We had you know, promising times under Simon Jordan as well where, where it all went horribly wrong. So, you know, the understandably people are apprehensive. Uh, Tony, what's your, your opinion on this? I'll
2: Just to echo what the other side, and um, I think also, as you said, the infrastructure is the most important because a lot of the money that we've got from the TVs and that have gone into players and recruitment. And we're going to have to keep doing that if we want to progress as a club. We need to recruit players. Players cost a lot of money and they're increasing costs as well. And we haven't been able to put too much money into the infrastructure. And this allows us to, you know, improve. You know, we, if we want, it's not like a couple of years ago when people were saying, well, 40,000, that's too, that's too big a stadium. You know, we're probably more realistic 30 just in case, you know, things go awry and we have an empty stadium. But now it's like, well, actually, we're trying to establish ourselves as a top half Premier League club. So... We do need a decent infrastructure. We need a decent stadium, and hopefully, this cash will help us to do that and and evolve as a club.
1: That's yeah, very very good point, uh, Patrick. I deliberately left you to last because you were on Twitter, and I noticed. So, uh, but <laughs> obviously, you're you're very keen. You've well, you've always uh, pushed this as a as a big positive for Palace. I take you obviously still see it that way.
3: Definitely, and I want to come up with a little different perspective, Chris, um, because I live in America and I've been here for a long time. Um, I kind of see things a little differently because I. Um, the way American sports works, it's not the same as English sports. So people are concerned about the two teams that um, Joshua Harris and David Blitzer own. One of them is the New Jersey Devils, which is a hockey team. And the other one, the Philadelphia 76 is a basketball team. And both of them aren't doing, uh, have not done great the last couple of years since they've been bought. But the thing is, in this country, it does work when teams don't do well. We have a draft system where the worse you are, the better you get to draft. So eventually, those teams will turn themselves around. In fact, this year, the Devils are actually playing a lot better hockey. So from that standpoint, don't be so concerned. If you are about how the performance of the team they're doing, because they're doing they're doing fine. Um, infrastructure is what Harris really focuses on, and um, both teams have you know have got newish stadiums, and um, that on that side is working very very well. Uh, secondly, is that I like the fact that Paris is going to be in charge. He mentioned one thing I like about his uh, interview yesterday with Chris, Chris and Again, he's mentioned that don't worry about it. I worry enough for everybody, because he knows what he wants to do with our club. You know, he's taken us forward from 2000 2010. Um, we've come so so far. And I like the fact we're putting the money we're getting from, from these investors. They're not buying the club. They're investing in the club. That's the big difference between taking over a club and, you know, and investing. We're going to put it into things that we need most, which is the academy for one, which definitely needs a lot of money, and obviously the stadium. So from that standpoint, I think we're in really great shape. And the fact, honestly, that these gentlemen spent a year and a half kind of kicking the tires on our club, getting to really – get into our ethos and what we're all about and then decide to buy the club, I think that's a fantastic thing and I think honestly this is the best thing that could ever happen to our club.
1: Okay, well obviously very, very positive, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the, um, you know, the perception of fears and, and, and that kind of stuff in, in a moment, but Lucy, you got some stuff in the chat room there?
5: Yes, uh, Booted Eagle has said the extra money for the stadium, infrastructure etc. will give a lasting legacy for this period of recent success. Um, And then John Program Seller has followed that up with exciting times, guys. Her and Booted Eagle said, yep, on and off the pitch, which I wholeheartedly agree with.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's almost uh, too good to be true. Uh, Last little bit, uh, Tony, before I move on to maybe some slightly less exciting parts of of this deal in terms of, you know, everyone's talking very positively about it. And I do ultimately believe it's a positive thing, but there are some some concerns to talk about. So uh, what's your view you want to add?
2: Well, I did see an article uh, online, I can't remember where I saw it, that said that, agreeing with what Patrick said, that the teams that these two guys have got um, aren't necessarily performing on the pitch, as it were. But they are, the infrastructure from top to bottom um, has massively, massively improved. And it'll only help to propel the club. And I think that's what's important for us. You know, we've got a good team now. And as we said, if we can improve the infrastructure and make it more modernised, then that can only be a good thing. And it's it's also quite nice that, you know, I think the estimated worth of the two of them is is something like four billion pounds. I think that makes us one of the richest clubs in the Premier League, because I know even Tottenham's owners are only worth just over a billion.
1: Well, yeah, I have to to correct that in the the sense that's their personal wealth. It doesn't make us a rich club. It just makes us a club with rich owners. There's a slight difference. Oh, no, I get that. Definitely. No, I get that
2: but it's the same with the other clubs as well like man city they've got the richest owners but it's not within the club but if you take city chelsea and arsenal out i think man united as well we've in terms of owners and personal wealth of the owners i think we've got one of the top 6 richest owners if you add those two in, which is which is quite nice to say to other fans, I still meet fans who say, "God, you guys haven't got much money, have you? You're just always cash strapped." And it's like, "Well, actually, no, we're not." Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I, yeah, no, you're right, and that and that is a degree of ignorance that you get. I mean, we'll we'll be ignorant of the inner workings of some other clubs as well, I'm sure. So that does happen. But um, on, on the other side of things, you know, I, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna see you know, huge sums of money splashed out on the team. And if you look at, at the U.S. investment that's been in the Premier League already, and this is one of the areas that I was going to talk about in terms of the concerns, is it hasn't worked out, you know, on many occasions. I mean, the the Hicks-Gillette stuff at Liverpool was an absolute shambles, you know. Um, Randy Lerner was mentioned earlier on, you know, that hasn't, that hasn't worked on early promise. Um, you know, so the fact that we've got Steve Parish there guiding this is a, is a, you know, and he's earned... Mm-hmm. You know our respect and our trust on that side of things. You know he is right to say, let him worry. We should enjoy the ride, kind of thing. But you know you do you do look at how I mean ultimately, every, you know it's not a clever thing to say this, but you know it's an investment for for money, and we've just got to hope that the fact that for the way football works, the best way for their investment to work out is for us to have sustained success, to have you know a club that increases in value by having a nice rebuilt stadium. You know, fantastic training facilities and an academy, you know, the top notch facilities there and to be competitive on the field. You know, all of those things are what add value to a football club. Uh, and we have to hope that that's that's the motivation of these investors. And I'm sure it is. You know, I, like I say, you've got to trust Steve Parrish on that one. I've uh, got a few things coming in on Twitter and then uh, we'll get a few of the the last comments before we talk about the Stoke game. Carl uh, Mortimer was saying that he just hopes that the, the name of the stadiums uh, stays. A lot of new stadiums have sponsored names, so fingers crossed. Uh, Brent Morgan, I'm going to have to slightly edit what he's written. Uh, how pants is the Britannia though? It's nearly as bad as their old ground was. Let's hope what we do is much nicer than that. Uh, King B's got in touch and said uh, I've been concerned for a while about the American investment from American. Uh, sorry about the investment from American billionaires. Since I'd rather have lifelong fans own football clubs and not rich guys who don't know anything about football. However, I trust the lifelong fans of CPFC 2010, um, and that's uh, John's program seller's come up with an answer to that saying this is where he thinks we've been a bit clever uh, we've not sold out we've asked them to invest to be part of the change rather than mm. a takeover which uh, again i mean i suppose alex that's that's the mm. overall message at the moment it is part it
4: is not a takeover but it is a quite
1: insignificant ne- managerial yeah.
4: change it's, it's an, an injection of cash just before you know that big tv money's coming in and it, you could say it's just the right moment for all parties you know we've seen you know tottenham uh, get their stadium, uh, their new stadium, be approved recently. You know, West Ham are moving into the Olympic Stadium next season, so this is the perfect time for us to move down. You know, this, this path, and, and we need that cash injection because you know we got to face it, we haven't got we haven't got that cash for, to to improve the stadium. And with this investment and with the TV money in return being offered to to the to, to Harris, um, it, it it makes a lot of sense, and it's the perfect moment, I think, for it.
2: Think, Liverpool you know, as
4: well yeah
1: yeah no i just i do think that um like you say it's the perfect moment, but we're also the right club for it yeah you
3: know,
1: there's because there's a lot of um as, as Steve Parrish has told us on a number of occasions you know there's been an under investment in, in the facilities at the club you know the ground especially we all know we all know, but you know had issues over the training ground that's been redone but the academy have had to move out all this kind of stuff all those little things that <coughs> they're not what should be they don't fit a club in our current position which is joint fourth and points in the top division you know that's that's where we really are at the moment so um it, look, it makes absolute perfect sense but you know at the same time you know there's always a risk you know and I'm sure that risk has been mitigated as much as humanly possible by Steve Parrish and and, and obviously the rest of the guys in 2020 would have had their say as well um, so yeah, let's 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 stay positive about this. It could be a huge thing, but I'm not expecting us to throw money around. I don't see why we would. I don't see why we'd change the formula that we've had so far, which has mm. been hugely successful. Uh, I'm going to leave that that debate there. We'll, we might come back to it a little bit later on, but um, yeah, thanks for all your comments on that one as well. But let's get uh, let's get stuck into the review of the game against Stoke. Now it was, obviously it was a two-one victory. It was um, you know, it wasn't the best performance. I think that's the place where I want to start really. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a tale of two penalties and an absolutely scream, screaming goal, an absolute beauty, which we'll, we'll discuss in detail. But we won ugly. Now, there's all this talk, you, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant cliche. If you can play badly and still win, that's the sign of a good team. Well, you know, obviously you'd rather play well and win, to be quite honest with you. But um, it, it wasn't the best. But I, I'll start with you, actually, Lucy. You know, you, you you were up there and, um, you know, ha, how were you feeling before the game? And when you saw Kabay was injured mainly?
5: Um, I was feeling very hungover because I'd had my work Christmas dinner <laughs> the night before. So, um, <laughs> yes, uh, I was, I, do you know what, I, I sort of, I didn't feel really anything. I wasn't thinking, oh yeah, this is going to be one to win or I just thought, oh, Stoke are doing really well at the minute. It'll be good if we can get a point. Let's, you know, see what, what happens. I hadn't really sort of thought what the game would be like. Um... And I was walking to the ground, and I saw that Kabai hadn't been picked. And I suddenly thought, "Oh, what's the matter with him? Why is he not been picked? What's wrong with him?" Um,
2: half your eye candy.
5: Yeah, half my eye candy had been gone. What the hell? Um, but no, it was it was a great game. It was a really good game. We didn't deserve to win, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was it was a great day, and um, it was a it was a good. Game to, to witness purely From, because uh, of Chungy's goal.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. And it looked like the, the I was gutted not to be there because the scenes yeah. in the away end looked like the good old days. You know, of going absolutely mental. It, really, yeah. you know.
5: it was ridiculous. I mean, the HF set off a flare, and everyone was just going ballistic. It was it was really good. I mean, the atmosphere there was fantastic. Um, we sang our hearts out the whole time as we always do, but I don't, there, there was something different. We, we just kind of, I think we wanted the win more than Stoke did, but Stoke played the better football if you look at the stats and that. But, um, yeah.
1: No, I, don't, uh, I know, Tony, you want to come in there, but Alex, you made a noise.
4: Were you about to say something? Yeah, well, I was just saying, you know, without Kobay, obviously, it, it was sort of an ass, the acid test, really, yesterday. And, you know, with players like Ledley, who, you know, hasn't had much game time this season, you know, slotting back in, I thought he did a good job. Um, it just shows you know, now that we are a, an established Premier League side and we're able to grind out these performances, um, which I don't think we would have been able to to do, you know, this time last season or maybe the season before that. I think we're just at the right position now where we're so comfortable. We know how to, you know, win games in, in this division and and we did that yesterday and yeah. the fact that, you know, has evolved this side quite well, I think, this season from, you know, our really good start and then we had that sort of, iffy period and then now we've just gone up a level and we're just literally picking out these results where, which i don't think we would have been able to get you know a couple of seasons back so
1: no, it's funny I, I thought that you know with with kabai missing we almost we had showed that we have a plan b which was the plan that we used before kabai joined yeah really like uh, i thought it was very noticeable and that's what won us the game yesterday it was more of a counter-attacking dig in kind of performance
2: mm. uh tony i was gonna say the atmosphere did sound amazing on the tv i mean some of us were saying, did they have the microphones next to the Palace fans? Because no, we're loud. But I didn't realise we were that loud, especially at the Britannia, which is renowned for being quite a raucous stadium. But with the performance, I I, I think we really you could see that we missed Kabai because I, I agree with you guys in the fact that it, it felt like it was last year. Uh, and Ledley did well for the job that he was brought in, but we, we, we were massively under the cosh for a lot of the game. And the, the main difference between... The last couple of performances and this performance is we didn't have Kabai, so I think it does show when we don't have him in the side that we are not as uh, we're not as big a threat, perhaps. Uh, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on the players for that, but I, I don't think we looked as as, we're not as dynamic. Are we exactly? That's the best word for it. That is yeah. the
1: best. Look, we're, we're, we're a different team. Uh, Patrick, yeah. I know you want to jump in on this, so go, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about tactics.
3: Yeah, um, I also think that. It, it doesn't help miss Kabai and also have Yannick and Wolf be so off their game and obviously and Punchin also. And I think that was obviously, and to me, that was more of a key than missing Kabay. Obviously, Kabai is a huge part of what we do, but I thought Yannick and Wolf and Punchin just really didn't get into the game as much as they could have. And I think that really didn't help us, especially playing against a team. And again, I don't underrate Stoke. I think Athali and Shaqiri and Bojan are excellent players, and the is a pain. So I think that, you know, playing a team like that, at their ground, you know, to get away with that result was, is great for us. And Patrick, do you not
2: think that that might have been because we didn't have Kabai? those guys were not brought into the game as much? Because Kabai is all about making the right clever passes to the right people.
3: Possibly, but again, I, again, I really rate Aflai, Shaqiri and Bojan. So I think even if Kabai had been playing, I think they would have played, they would have played similarly. So we would play differently, obviously. But I think having those, that, that three is very, very good.
1: Sorry, Lucy, you wanted to jump in on that.
5: Um, yeah, I was going to pick up on um, what Patrick was saying about Belassie. I thought, the thing with Balassi is, I thought he was trying really hard, but he was, his misses were just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> like, his attempts on at the goal, they were just going wide and, you know, right over. It was just, and there were, oh, I made a note of it in the game, and it was the, at the 57th minute, there was an attempt where Wickham was free, and he could have crossed it over, and Wickham would have had, a better chance of getting it on target. And he just completely ignored Wickham and Wickham got so cross he was fuming. He we actually you could see him shouting at Yalla and I don't blame him because, you know, he could have had a a, a, like I say, a better opportunity than Velasi of actually getting a goal. But I just thought, you know, A for effort, but you know, D D minus (laughs) attempts Interesting
1: to, to hear you pick up on that. I didn't think um, Blasi had that bad a game, but I suppose I, I was being very analytical. I was sort of writing notes as I went, and um, I, straight away I, I noticed them, them. Well, certainly they doubled up on Wilf, um, and obviously, Blassi was playing off off Wickham in that role with, with punching on the left. And, you know, we saw that work really well, um, you know, against Southampton and, and, you know, and in other games as well. Um, so I wasn't surprised that we started that way, but. Um, I think very, very early on, you could see that Stoke defensively were a different prospect for Yannick. You know, he, he was, when, he, when he pushed out left and was up against Glenn Johnson, you know, it was a much easier uh, task for him. Because you know, he's embarrassed Johnson a number of times in the past. <laughs> a Liverpool show. Actually, you're just making that point now in our, in our chat, Alex. And, yeah. Um,
4: so yeah, it was certainly better when he moved out to left, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He he his pace was too much for Johnson at times. It's just, you know, with with Yala, if he wants to move up and, you know, go to, go to the next level, he needs to improve his finishing. And, you know, for him to be a twenty five, thirty million pound player, you know, he needs to do better in those situations. And, you know, he did find himself in some really good positions yesterday and he was a constant threat on the break. But, you know, it's always his finishing that just lets him down in occasions. And I think, you know, in his new position of late, you know, playing up, up top with um, Wickham, you know, in a way, he's sort of he's always on the the last shoulder of, of of one of the defenders, and I think that really does suit him. It just he just you know it's just he's just very frustrating as a player, isn't he? Because you know, one mi- minute he can do something absolutely phenomenal, next minute ish, you know, oh god, Yellow's back, you know, and and that yeah. that, that, that and that's and that's such a shame. But I think with with time and once he gets used to this this new position that he's playing, I think he will improve, and you know. You know, but not too much. Let's hope he doesn't improve too much. That he leaves in the summer because you know I think he's a vital part of our team. And
1: is now look, he, for me, um, he, he's been very much, much better of late, and I am yeah. really starting to learn that role well. Uh, Patrick,
3: yeah. Um- it's, it's, regarding Balassi, I, I thought yesterday we played we played very narrow yesterday. I think we played a lot more down the side, the right side, and I think Balassi only came into the game when he moved more to the left hand side because punching was started left. I don't think he's touched the ball for the, like the first thirty minutes. Then you notice he started to drop into the dropping behind the back four to get the ball more. Punchin to get more involved in the game. So I thought Yannick really struggled to kind of get kind of get the ball. So having him go wide and, and just terrorise Glenn Johnson was the best thing he could have done for himself yesterday. It's,
1: it's interesting you talk about us being narrow because I, I noticed. That very early on, you had Punch and uh, was wandering inside. Sometimes yeah. popping up on the right flank, but not ex- not exchanging positions with Wilf, just exactly just wandering, and it had quite often left uh, Suarez exposed at left back. And initially, you thought all the attacks were going to come down that side from Stoke, and they'd spotted it. But you know, as it as it happened, they, they seemed to attack more more the other side as well, right. which um, again sort of showed up that Wilf wasn't having uh, his best of games either. He was a little frustrated. Yeah, but um I, I thought what we did really well was about halfway. Through, through the half, you know, roughly 20 minutes in or so, we, re- we slowed it down. We started knocking yeah. the ball around at the back, it was just just keeping possession, not always having to play a forward pass, not always looking for that diagonal into the channels for Wickham or Balassi to run. We actually slowed the game down a bit. And that's usually what Kabay does for us. And, you know, we mentioned earlier, you know, uh, Joe Ledley did a great job. Um, very different to Johan Kabay, but he did a great job in, in that, ru- that spell as well. Because um, MacArthur seemed to miss Kabai a little bit, I, I felt. Mm. But so, like twenty minutes into the game, you know, we were the, we were not the you know we were second best definitely. But <laughs> there weren't really any major chances in that. And um, you know, twenty four. I think it was about twenty. Well, I've written twenty four minutes. I say so, I think um, Delaney got a, a great block in from Shakiri uh, and then but just after that was the first moment that um, the Hennessy saved Sabers um, Boyan got sort of free on the left hand side of the penalty area. You thought he was just going to stroke it in, but uh Hennessy came absolutely screaming out of his area and saved well it was an absolutely top save
2: wasn't it Tony unbelievable save and Hennessy had a uh, he, he definitely one of the people I thought was going to be man of the match his, his shot stopping you know we've we've said in previous shows about he needs to make saves he needs to make saves and, and the match yesterday he was unbelievable and that that was that was the first of a string of unbelievable saves from him
1: yeah I mean. I'm, you know it's it's amazing in the space of a couple of weeks he's gone from you know personally as I was saying last week I've, I've you know i didn't have any confidence in him you know I was being harsh, I knew that, but i just I just felt that you know he, he wasn't fitting in he didn't look like he wanted to be there all of a sudden it just seems to have clicked for him and it can only be obviously you've got to give people the benefit around of games and as fans, we sometimes forget that and you know I was guilty of that definitely um so I was yeah massively encouraged to see his, his performance,
4: uh, Alex. You know, dare I say, it, I think Hennessy's proven our you know our player of the month so far. You know, I think he's kept us in quite a lot of games um, in in December, and you know we've we've all, he's always been famed for his reflexes. I think there was a point when he was at Wolves where he was linked linked to Arsenal and a few other clubs. I just think there's just moments where his handling can let him down, but you know of late he's been solid, and you know he's he's made that number one spot his own and. He's, you know, making people eat their words because, you know, I for one wasn't convinced with him when he first, you know, was in the side, and I wasn't convinced whether he would be our number one going forward. But he's proved me wrong, and he's he's done a really good job. Tony, jumping in
2: again? Yeah, I I I think one thing I've noticed with Hennessy that he's really good at is the fingertip save, and I can't remember who said it over the last couple of weeks that uh, I think it might have been Terence that you wouldn't necessarily see. Sparoni do those sort of saves just purely because of his stature. Whereas Hennessy, he can be a full stretch and he takes up most of the goal.
1: Mm. No, it's absolutely right. It was Terrence who pointed out that you know our keepers won't get there to to those kinds of saves. Lucy.
5: Yeah, I want to hold my hands up and say I was wrong about Hennessy because I was very much championing Alex McCarthy and thought he should be given a chance. And Hennessy's just proved a lot of us wrong, and I think that. You know, he is going to be number one for the foreseeable. Um, yeah. He's but, just he's just been phenomenal the last few games. Like, the saves he's made have just been incredible. It's not just been one fantastic one. It's, like, been two or three during the game. Like, yeah. like Tony said, the fingertip stretch. I mean, I think his height has obviously got a lot to do with that because he's, like, a giant. But he's he's just been brilliant and I, I, I hold my hands up and
1: say you know i was wrong yeah what um, what's interesting about that to me is it's is that he has he has improved it's not that you know we weren't wrong to point out that he seemed to be slow to get down to a couple of shots you yeah. know but but he's however however it's happened whether it's confidence whether it's him just getting used to the players around him you know whether it's just simply that run of games but he is getting down to shots a lot lot quicker you know, and just just before, as, as we're leading up to half-time, there was an example of that where uh, Stoke hit the post from uh, Van Ginkle, I think it is. Um, and um, it hit the outside of the post, but if it had been on target, Hennessy was getting there. And mm-hmm. I, I do genuinely mm-hmm. feel when we were being a little critical of him, you know, earlier on in the season, that's the sort of thing that he would have watched, just watched go into the net. And I'd say maybe it's just rustiness from not playing, but he certainly has improved. And... Um, yeah, and he was a huge factor in us in us winning the game yesterday. Definitely, uh, Patrick. Do you want to add anything to your uh, to your comments on Hennessy last time out?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the setup, Chris. Again, no, he's been fantastic the last three or four weeks, and he made some great saves. What I really liked about him personally has been the fact when he makes a save, um, he usually parries it to the side. We'd also, we also, I know, I remember Terence and I both criticised Alex McCarthy for parrying a lot of the shots, unfortunately, back towards the um, the attacking player. But I noticed yesterday two of the saves that he made. Actually, one, I think Ward ended up clearing, and the other one he put to the side, which is great. And that's what you need to do. And the second thing is I actually think that he's benefited a lot from the back four, being more stable. If you've noticed, we've had Ward, Soiree, Delaney, and Dan for like the last five, six matches. And I think that's yeah. really made a big difference because not only did they get along, you can just tell they get along, but the fact that they just, with Damo blocking shots and, and Dan commanding in the back, and I think Soiree and Ward have been playing better of late, that's really helped Tennessee go to another level.
1: That's interesting. You mentioned one award at clicks, but I was going to bring that up. Um, oh, sorry. But, uh, it was a Glenn, Glenn Johnson shot, and um, yeah, Hennessy's got down brilliantly to it. But he has he's pushed it right into play, and he's exactly the sort of thing we're right, criticising McCarthy for. And I did <laughs> think that I was like, is Patrick going to bring that up?
3: <laughs> well, in a positive way, though. They yeah, me, you did. it up in a positive way.
1: You did. You did very well, actually. Uh, Lucy, a <laughs> little comment there from uh, Booted Eagle in the chat room.
5: Yes, um, Booted Eagle has said. Uh, sorry just getting it up um, anybody wishing to send P- Pulis a Christmas card for this signing
1: as in
4: regards to Hennessy
1: no um, just for money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> no
3: <laughs> you wouldn't get one thanks back for here. leaving Tony have a nice Christmas yeah.
4: <laughs> but he was quite close to signing wasn't he in the um, summer I think he was really close to, to picking him up yeah yeah he was yeah we we,
1: we were pretty sure we wanted to let him go you know, yeah. we certainly didn't want to keep all three goalkeepers um, You know, Jules is someone we probably wouldn't uh, want to leave because of the impact it would have had certainly at that time yeah. uh, on the fans but um you know having just signed McCarthy it makes perfect sense that the Hennessy would have been the one to go and yeah it was, must have been pretty close for, for the move to West Brom before they end up signing
4: uh, yes you I can't remember
1: no, oh, I sort of shut him out, really. Um, so producer Sam has mentioned that uh, Pards yesterday was talking about the fact that Jules hasn't given up getting his place back, and he certainly won't. You know, he's been there before, and um, I'm sure we, if we need him, he's going to be absolutely superb if he uh, gets another chance. Um, so, yeah, no, it's in very, very interesting times uh, in the goalkeeper jersey. Uh, John Programme still in the chat room, They only worry for me about Hennessy is he can be indecisive sometimes, and ends up rooted to his spot rather than attempting to dive and that's what we were talking about before but for me that's gone that's gone now the indecisiveness the only time that happened um, in the game against Stoke was a deflected on out a bit shot I think that, um, that he sort of just watched but he was never getting there if it had gone in so yeah hugely positive stuff from Hennessy um, you know, I dare say we'll talk about it later in terms of who's the man of the match but I think he's going to win that at an absolute canter uh, Tony totally last bit on
0: that
2: Yeah it's interesting you said about Spironi I saw him at the Junior Eagles Christmas dinner and someone said to him, like, "When are you going to be back?" And he says, "Well, I'm trying. He needs to pick me."
1: Yeah, well, that's <laughs> interesting. Who, who, uh, who on this, uh, in this, in this virtual studio, should we call it that? <laughs> who, who would drop Hennessy for Speroni now? Say me.
3: Not even me, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not even
3: Patrick. I think that's enough said, really,
2: isn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much.
1: Nice. Um, so I think you know. A couple of weeks ago, I'd have uh, I'd have been one on that particular bandwagon, but you've got to allow yourself to change your mind about players, and that's that could be frustrating when people mm. won't do that. You know, I've, I I think you just judge people by how they perform. Hennessy's been fantastic, so you know I'm I revised my judgment on him, and happy to be wrong. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that was that was approaching half time that um, Hennessy sort of got himself involved there, um, and just. Just as I I was sort of doing a little few few notes, summing things up, saying you know we've we've you know first time Balassi had a shot, it was well wide, and and um, Butland had absolutely nothing to do. Stoke were ending the um, the half, you know, pressing us quite clearly, Um, you know, putting us under pressure, and then just just before the whistle goes, um, little prod by Dan towards Zaha in the area. Zaha does what he does an awful lot, which is get his foot across. The defender as they come as they come across, just to make sure you know and start to move his body across. He just tries to get himself in the way all the time, and he gets clipped an awful lot and gets accused of diving an awful lot, but but he just puts his body in the right place. Um, but on this occasion, there's absolutely no doubt. Um, I'm being told producer Sam thinks he dived. But if you actually watch it, um Glenn Whelan boots his left leg, it doesn't just clip it, he boots his left leg um because he thinks he can get to the ball. So Wilf just planted his foot. As he's planted, his plan is for Wheeling's kicked it and he's gone down. So to me, clear penalty, absolute clear penalty. Patrick.
3: Two things: one, the Dan pass to Wolf was brilliant. You said he clipped it. I thought it was such a brilliant Prodigy. pass from a <laughs> defender. And secondly, that's why I hate when Wolf actually did dive that one time because he is so good at winning penalties. He was clearly kicked clipped on that for yesterday but that's why I hate the fact that anybody says he's a diver because he did it once in his whole career he can win penalties with his eyes closed he just has to keep playing like that because there's no reason to ever dive and that one time that he did it is really upsetting to me but he is so talented at, at getting penalties I will be keeping continues to do it because he's very good at it
1: you feel there's a bit of elbow in there as well Lucy
5: yes if you look at it it's like I can't remember the, the player that that fouled Wilf, but his he, his arm kind of goes up and like as he kicks his his foot, so I, pen all day long for me. Yeah.
1: No, it was clear, It was absolutely clear for me, and, and um, sort of weird comments after the game from Mark Hughes, who uh, you know everyone knows
4: is the ultimate weirdo.
1: He's just, you know, and I don't think there's anything libelous about calling him a freak. It's just my opinion.
2: <laughs> as long as you follow it up with, that's just my opinion, then yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're fine, and not to we're the views fine. of whole radio. Yeah, <laughs> it is Hughes, probably. Yes, it is. and
1: you know, as I said in the introduction, he, he looks like a nana, doesn't he? It's a little bit like Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce and and Mark Hughes both look like grandmothers. It's amazing.
2: It's just that you generation of Man United players.
1: <laughs> I think it is. I haven't seen Pallister for a while. Maybe, a, maybe I have. I've <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, we're distracted with talking about nans for some reason. Let's, uh, let's move that on. Um, very, very, very satisfying to see Conor Wickham smash that one in, wasn't it, Alex?
4: Yeah, it was. He it was it struck it really well. And it did look like, you know, from the dodgy stream I was looking at, watching, sorry, it, it did look like it sort of hit the crossbar. But, yeah, it went in and it hit the, the, the pole behind the goal and it was well struck. And it's a goal that, you know, um, we couldn't deserve, to really, over the past couple of weeks because he's, he's, he's been in those positions and he's been quite unlucky so this would you know be good for his confidence going forward definitely
1: yeah no and you could see he absolutely loved it uh, you know couldn't couldn't celebrate it hard enough i think um but uh yes to shame he, he went off seemingly injured but hopefully hopefully it's just a bit of cramp in the hamstring and it's not too bad at this stage uh tony
2: well we're talking pretty sure and i said the amount of power behind that shot i think i mean it went down the middle of the goal but i think even if the goalkeeper had stood up to it it would have taken the goalkeeper into the goal
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, Martin O'Neill was talking about it um, on uh, goals on Sunday this morning. Just saying that you know, the one he inherited Wickham as a player at Sunderland. He said you know, at the time he he felt that Wickham was just more interested in in the life of a footballer rather than actually playing football, which is a criticism that's been levelled at him a few times. But you know, but he said he'd improved in the time he's been at Palace, and he said, but the one thing he always always has had is a ridiculously powerful shot, and it and it certainly was. um yeah, very, very impressive. Lucy, a bit, uh, bit of stuff from the chat room there? Uh,
5: yes, I've got a tweet from Brent Morgan. He said, dive. He went down like he had been stamped on by God.
3: <laughs> I think Brent means dove, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't start that again. Oh. Just, joking. Just joking.
5: And then <laughs> we've got Russ 62 a Big clubs always get 50-50 pen decisions. Now we are getting them.
1: That's an interesting, interesting. Mm, that point. interesting. Yeah, it wasn't well, a fifty-fifty. It was a blatant <coughs> pen. There you go. Um, <coughs> I've seen us not get them though. Tony, wouldn't you say? That's true.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can see this sometimes, but I think you know he, he clattered into him. I mean, we we, we sort of thought mm, we looked at it, but when you look at the replay, I don't think there's any doubt. I think you, no, can, you can't here's, not uh, give it.
1: It is a clear pen. But like I say, I've definitely seen us get. Well, I've seen more clear pens not given for us, particularly against teams like uh,
2: you know Man United. And did, anyone, did anyone notice the absolute panic in Wilf's face as he turned around as if to say, no, 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 I didn't dive, I didn't dive. Don't give <laughs> me a yellow card, please.
1: Um, so anyway, yeah, that took us uh, into halftime at 1-0 up. And perhaps again, I certainly felt that it, you know, on the balance of that first half, we'd, we'd got away with it a bit there. But you shouldn't underestimate how well we defended. You know, the two centre-backs in particular, were just absolute rocks in there and that continued for the rest of the game as well uh, despite the one aberration from Damo which we'll get to in a bit but um so uh, into the, we were kicking into the wind in the second half formation shifted uh, to a uh, 4231 for the 4411 one, one, uh, to try and deal with Stokes sort of uh, overrunning the middle of the pitch got Balassi out on the left brought punching inside to see if he could affect the game more didn't and i think that's that's the point of discussion um worth worth talking about now really is um Jason Punchin's one that we we're quick to praise when he um when he does well. Uh, talk about all the things that he does brilliantly, but you know, certain certainly certain members of the whole radio team are very <laughs> quick to uh to say he's um, he's rubbish at times. Yeah, shall we say? <laughs> here's, here's gel, yeah. Yeah. But um Only yeah. Certainly but um certainly I think he we're getting to a stage now where, where Punch is 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 be going missing in a lot of games, you know. Um I, I always defend a player and I don't think that there's any lack of effort on his part. I think sometimes he can get caught up with the frustration of losing the ball instead of winning it back. I think that's a fair criticism that some people level at him. But I don't think there's any lack of effort on his part. I just think it's not really working for him at the moment. And maybe, as we, we talked about in the past, he could do with a spell out of the team. And if you look like players like, certainly like chung if he's going to come on and score a goal like that, and then you've also got... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus.
0: serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: Shemak coming back into things, you know, that there's a re- got to be real pressure on Punchen's place in my view. Uh, what's your views on that, Patrick, as uh, as one of the most stronger defenders of Jason Punchen?
3: Yesterday was not his best game, Chris. Um, even though my son tweeted out yesterday that he actually had a 27 out of 32 pass completion ratio yesterday, which yeah. is very, very good. Um, but again he just wasn't he just it wasn't again when I watched the match I don't think he touched the ball for the first twenty minutes or so. Then he dropped inside and then he like said in the second half he went even more central to get the both the back four and, and influence the game, but it just, just wasn't it wasn't there for him. So uh it was it was a very tough game for him. Again, I'm a I'm a big fan of his. If he was to be dropped for, let's say, like he said, Shamak, or, you know, someone else, I wouldn't you know, I, I could understand that at this point because he just hasn't kicked on. What I will say again, that big caveat is it's almost January. We all know how he does post January, so
1: it's very true, very, very, very true. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, we're we're at the top of the the Premier League table, not the very top like Leicester for some reason, but
3: um, <laughs> 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 what is going on with uh, Leicester?
1: And you know, and and when people are going to get, it's come under pressure for their places in the team if they're not at it every week. And and you're saying, Alex, you feel maybe he looks a little bit unfit?
4: Yeah, he just doesn't look as sharp as as you know when you know when he's flying. You know he's able to find those little pockets of space really well, and I think he's not finding those those positions um, when he is fully fit, and it's a shame because you know obviously with the injury to Sako, um, he hasn't really got anyone pushing him for his place, but now with the return of of Shamak um, and 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 Chung and Lee scoring him absolutely blinded yesterday, he's you he, he could say now that his position's under threat, and you know I'm a big fan of punching and I loved you know him when he moved into the centre, especially last season, I thought he was one of our best players last season, but it's just not been happening for him of late. And I think maybe in January it'd be interesting to see whether we go out and look for another a winger into this, to, to try and fit into this side because uh, I don't think Punchen's going Punch um gonna keep his place in the in this team if he keeps putting in performances like that.
1: Yeah, well we've still got um obviously Sacco to come back
0: and, and, yeah. and you know
1: that I think I don't think you're going to drop Will for Blassie in current no. form. So I think if Sacco's going to get back in that team, it will be at the expense of J- Jason Punchen, as things are. Uh, I really do believe that. But, um, you know, that's not just a pick on him. And, and as Patrick's pointed out, you know, he, he's past completion there. And a lot of that work does go unnoticed. Even, you know, when, when someone like myself, I'm you know, pretty much glued to the game, trying to trying to take everything in. You know, I you do miss that. You do miss the sort of bits where he's just being a link in... You know, in a chain of passes, you do you do miss that and, and the movement and the pressing and all that kind of stuff that he does. But like I say I, I think he's out of sorts still, definitely. And I, you know, it's harder to sort of defend the view that that isn't the case uh, week on week at the moment. Uh, go on, Lucy, you want a bit to say on that?
5: Just agree with everybody else. Really, he's he's on his day, he's fantastic. He really is, you know, one of our top top players. But he's just looking so. Almost like he doesn't want to be there, <laughs> and he, I, I, to pick up with what you said, um, Hambo, like I, I think if he was dropped to the bench for a, a couple of matches, and then he might come back and be a different punch. But maybe with the Christmas break, and I know they don't have a a, a massive Christmas, um, but you know we'll see what happens. I think that with the next two games coming up, it could be a good opportunity to. Change the side up a little bit and maybe give him a rest.
1: I think um I I do genuinely think he'll still have a huge part to play this season, you know, no mm-hmm. matter what happens, whether he gets to the side or not. He, you know, he's probably gonna stick an absolute worldie in the top corner at some point or something like that. I do genuinely believe that about punching. You know, this is not me writing him off in any way, but yeah, you know, yeah, like you say, Luce, I think a, I think a rest might do him a bit of good. Um so yeah, um obviously changing formation, that was pretty much matched up. Stoke and um, but they still kind of added uh, uh sort of were, were putting us under pressure. There was a bit uh, just before the hour mark where Yannick beat about six players, but with a bit of a letdown of a finish, which again is something we've probably said a number of <laughs> occasions about Yannick, but we, we've talked about him. Um, blasi got a, a great saving around the hour mark as uh, Blasi got a great save, Hennessy got a great saving, um, around the hour mark as well. And you, you could hear the Stoke fans getting a little bit frustrated, they didn't do much singing, but they seemed to do an awful lot of whinging. Um, When things weren't going their way, but then what I thought kind of changed the balance of the game was Wickham going off injured. Um, You know, obviously he walked off; he was holding in the back of his leg, so clearly a hamstring injury. But um, I hope it isn't too serious. But I think it just unsettled us a bit. And um, then uh, then Walters came on for for Whelan for Stoke, and we really started to. um, I think the game basically opened up. We weren't under any more pressure than we were in the first half. In, In you know, and it was getting a bit end-to-end at times. Indeed, Marin Shamak, I don't know if you noticed this, Patrick, he actually had, not only did he run with the ball for a while, he actually had a shot.
3: Yeah, um, I didn't notice it and I was actually quite shocked because <laughs> that's not something he normally does. But, um, I actually, I liked his, the um, the um, his, introduction to the game yesterday i think the more he gets you know some playing time the more we're going to probably end up using him i know that um pardue is a pretty big fan of his and i think seeing Shemecki combine in the same lineup is going to be fantastic so um to see him take a shot from that position was a was, was a good thing and he was playing striker so that was nice to see
1: yeah yeah definitely um and i, I saw a couple of people being a bit critical of him on, on the message boards but i think you know i think he had a, a really good impact actually um on the game when he did come on, but, um, certainly think, uh, we'll, we'll miss Wickham if he's out for any real length of time. Um, but yeah, so I think the, um, you know, the, the really the story of the second half after around the hour mark was just, just the pressure increasing and Hennessy having to make plenty of saves. Um, you know, uh, Bojan had a chance, uh, I said earlier, an out of which deflected shot that went just wide. Um, so, and then the ball came in, um, you know, from from wide, didn't quite clear it. And uh, Anatovic was kind con- of, no, Shakiri was left in all kinds of space out wide and managed to get across back in. Um, and the ball sort of popped up in the air and, you know, you know the wind was swirling and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's effectively landed on his hand and that was proven by uh, by goals on Sunday earlier on today. Um, that it was just a case of the ball landing on his hand because it, it essentially missed his head. But uh, I don't know, Lucy, do you think it was a pen? Can we argue...
5: Um, well it's definitely a handball despite what Damo says because <laughs> he was very kind of like oh, it wasn't a handball it wasn't a handball but it obviously was as you said it was highlighted on cards on Sunday but yeah I think so um...
1: <laughs> I think that's I think that's right yeah I think so I think it
3: is but... <laughs> definitely um, maybe probably yeah, yeah. yeah. What, do
1: you, what do you think Tony would you been angry if that was given against uh, sorry given. would you be angry if it wasn't given for us there you go that's the question
2: I would be, yeah, I'd be pretty livid because when I saw it first, I was like, oh, is it is it ball to hand? But it's 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 quite it's quite blatant. It's 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 like a um, Wolf's penalty. It was very very blatant. I don't think I don't think you could not give it really. It would be it would be very very harsh on the attacking team to not give that because it's although it has it's it, he's not gone to purposely handball it as such. His his arm is outstretched and it has caught him. On the arm, so in the letter of the law, it's it's a handball in the penalty box, and therefore a penalty. So can't argue with it, I'm afraid.
3: Yeah, and I'd like to add that um, it definitely looked like it was a penalty, and the pressure was coming. You can kind of feel when I was watching the, I was watching the game, you could kind of feel something was going to happen. It would put pressure on us. But I will say this: the referee yesterday is it is it, is it Madley or Madley?
1: It's you know uh, Bobby Madley.
3: Well, Madley, he's given three penalty kicks in the last three Stoke games. I want an investigation
2: oh i saw that as well yeah i yeah, heard
3: yeah, that. what i say yeah so yeah. They, were, they were getting one at some point whether it was going to be demo or somebody else they were getting a penalty yesterday so and it happened yeah. so and again, again you it was, can't I, you can't really all get that much really no no and
1: it's easier to take when, given the fact we won the game obviously but, um, <laughs>
3: exactly Good point. Yeah, i know
1: lucy you said in the chat there and this was what i was about to mention he has that the actual hand movement was quite natural for someone jumping you know yeah you kind of say that your hand shouldn't yeah. but I've said this before. But the trouble is, you watch it, these things back in slow motion and they look so much more deliberate. You know, when you watch that at full pace, all he's done is jump, think, Oh, well, the ball was kind of swelled in the air, I've missed it. And then, like, he's looked and watched it <laughs> land on his hand. And it's right. like, and it's, it's it's that whole motion, Like you can see there's no way he meant that to happen. It was just he couldn't predict where the ball was going to go. And like I say, when you slow it down, it looks like he's watched it for three seconds onto his hand. <laughs> You know, that's, it hasn't been the case. It's like, it's a split second, you know. But,
2: there but Chris, you go. as you said, as you said, Chris, would you be angry if that was like, I don't know, Wickham at the other end and they didn't give it?
1: Yeah, I would, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, that's how I make my peace with it and can sleep at night, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so that that happened and obviously, um, you know, Boyan puts it in and it's, it's 1-1 and you kind of think, well, we've been a bit lucky up to this point to, uh, to have been leading. It's been mainly stoked. Although, you know, we've had, we've had our moments. Um, if there's a, good, a team going to go on and win it, it's probably going to be them. Uh, and then obviously, Punching comes off. Um, Jordan Much comes on. Yeah, uh, we, we, we have a little bit of a wobble, to be honest with you. Um, struggling to get any meaningful attacks together uh, until uh, Lee came on for Zaha. You know, obviously, Wilford had a tough game, but, you know, he put the effort in. It's not, not criticism of him. But I think once Lee came on, he was superb. Um, you know, buzzing yeah. around, just very, very quick movement um, and looked very, very good on the
4: ball. You know, he, he's comfortable seemingly with either foot. He's, he's a real player, isn't he, Alex? Yeah, he yeah. is. So I think, I think it's, it's a bit unfair that people have labelled him as a winger because I don't think he is a winger. I think he's more of a player that plays off a striker. You know, in a way... Like a similar player to sort of David Silver, you know, David Silver, he's always pushed out onto the left hand side and he's not able to have a big enough say on the game. But then when he's pushed into the middle, you know, you, his ability sort of shines through. And I think Lee's one of those types of players that you need to give him space. And maybe it could be a, an apt replacement for for Punchen in that position off, off Wickham or Shamak because, you know, he's got a lot of ability. And we saw that, you know, when he was playing for Bolton in the Premier League um, three or four seasons ago. That you know, he he's got really quick feet. He's he's intelligent, and I just think that he's the only thing that's not going for him is he's quite lightweight, isn't he? And
0: that
4: yeah, he just he once he builds on that and he's able to get a run of games, I think he'd be great for us. But it was a tremendous goal, you know, really instinctive, just you know, looped it around the goalkeeper, and it was a fantastic goal. So you know, fair play to him, and I'm hoping to see a lot more of him in the coming weeks. Yeah, hopefully, you will get a bit more of a chance, uh, Tony.
2: But it's interesting. Alex actually said what I was going to say is that he, he has got the ability, and I was I was waiting and I was waiting, and then and then you said lightweight, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Is my problem with him? But I think I, I agree with you. He's he's got he's got quite good feet. He's intelligent, and he has got a pass. And as we saw, he has got a shot. I Wouldn't he say? He looped it. I think he's, he absolutely cracked it. But he's just he gets he can get knocked off the ball really easy. A lot of times I've seen him with the ball. You know, the other, the opposition team can, you know, just shoulder him off the ball quite, quite easily, and I think that's why he doesn't get in over someone like Punchin, who might be of similar sort of stature. But Punchin's a lot stockier, and he he holds the ball and keeps the ball a lot better. And I think that's why he's going to get in over Lee. But I do, I do like him. He brings energy. I think that's the main thing. You know, late into the match, you have got someone who's buzzing around. The the other team must be thinking, oh god, I'm knackered. I don't want to deal with this.
1: Come, uh, pa- uh, Patrick. What do you think?
3: Yeah. I, I agree with what you said. And I, I think the thing is, I think Paul do sees young Chong-Yung Lee more as a winger than, I say, central midfielder. And I, I'm with you, Alex. I remember him playing for Bolton more central. But that's in the championship. And even he did a bit in a Premier League also. I think that the issue is going to be is that um, we have tremendous wingers in, in Balassi and, uh, and Zaha. And he's not that kind of a winger. But I think he can, he can play out there and contribute. I think to have him in the middle, you're going to have somebody in there with him who's a lot stronger, let's just say, like a Jednak or even a Ledley. I don't think you're have a midfield in the center of Kabai, MacArthur, and Chung Young Lee. It's just not going to be strong enough to, you know, despite the fact that Kabai wins so many tackles. So I think, even like I said, I saw an interview yesterday, and, and um, Pardue happened to actually say that he'd like to see. Lee get more of a chance, but it'll be more of as a wide man, and I think that's the second game he's played this year. He for Newcastle for the first time, so once he gets you know some games on his belt, he'll definitely contribute. But I think it'll be definitely more as a winger than as a central midfielder.
4: Sorry, what, 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 I'm just trying to remember what game was it that he played in the um, Carling um, Capital One Cup because I thought he played really well in that game. I think was it, it Charlton Charl- or Charlton?
3: Charl- Shor- yeah, Charlton.
4: Charl- Charl- I think he was really good. He yeah. played on that position it just as a Charl- striker. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think he made a few assists, and you know he was quite good on the break. We're well, saying that everyone played well, really, because that Charlton team was just dismal. But <laughs> he, he, he 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 looked really good that evening, and, and it's a shame I haven't seen him since because he could have been quite a good impact. He, there, but
1: he actually got an injury, didn't he? Just after yeah, that hurt. game, yeah, uh, yep. I think it was a calf injury. Um, he, he has had you know a couple of injuries while he's been at Palace. He joined obviously with a, with a fracture in his leg. Um, and then you know, once he got fit, obviously he waited a long time for his chance. And and people quite rightly say, you know, why have we gone out and signed this this guy who doesn't play? He's taken up a squad place. Well, you just saw why. You know, there's there's an awful lot of talent there. And let's talk. I know it was mentioned earlier on, um, but the strike, the strike is absolutely sensational. The more you watch it, the better it gets. And it's uh, in the way that the more you watch. Darren Ambrose from forty odd yards against Man United, and the fact that it keeps speeding up as it goes into the corner. It's a similar goal. The more you watch it, the more you think he's you know he side footed that, and it starts slightly to the keeper's right, and then whips round to (laughs) sorry, keeps left, whips round to his right, and hits the side net and as it goes. It's like that is uh, the technique to do that. That's the only way he scores that goal. Beautiful, beautiful strike, and incredibly impressive really was um go on last little bit tony even that
2: well, i was gonna say it was almost like you know you had much and lee going for it and he just went look let me show you how to do it lads
1: <laughs> yeah well it definitely wasn't how much tried it was it <laughs> <laughs> and I also love
2: fact, i love the fact some people are saying look at the much assist <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: actually was... be damo damo's the one that it was. actually. right patrick just see
1: if you think what i think
3: where do you think damo's shot was going um i don't know is there rosette and st- <laughs> stuff say? i
1: looked at i looked at it earlier on today and i was like I thought, I thought they had a good block on that and then i watched it i was like yeah oh that God. was going about 40 feet above the yeah, exactly. um so it's funny how things work out isn't it but you know even when that ball rolled out to to Chang'e, i didn't think he's gonna gonna strike it but you know i think most of us here have, have, have played a bit of football and it, sometimes you just you just have to just the way the ball sort of rolls to what you just think i've just got to hit that um and <laughs> Thank God he did, because it was a brilliant way to to win the game. How mental did you go, Luce, yourself?
5: Um, Pretty mental. Um, (laughs) I was stood in the middle of the Windsor brothers, who were both, like, six foot four. I was like the sausage in the middle of this sandwich, and we just, like, kind of just nearly fell over. And It was just... It was unbelievable. The atmosphere was just fantastic and we were all so shocked like we were just not expecting it um yeah it was it was fantastic to be there and witness
1: this is one of those moments isn't it That makes that when you go from you've got a long journey up there it's you know it's one of the worst places on earth that kind of stuff but yeah. when the, when you get a moment like that that makes all those journeys worthwhile not just that day it's like you know the time you I went up to Everton and the coach turned around in the bad weather before we even got to the game—that kind of stuff—it's all worthwhile for when you get those moments. It's um, just, just, just stunning, absolutely stunning way to win a game. And like you say, when you're there, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment.
5: Absolutely. I just think you know, we kind of—I just turned to Andrew and I was just like, "Oh my god!" and just like screamed and just jumped off. <laughs> and yeah, it was really good. And like I said earlier, the um, HF let off flares and we just just sang our hearts out. It was it was brilliant.
1: I just wanna uh, when you're talking about the HF, I just wanna make a quick mention of something that we got a, a tweet from um Peter Birdsall who's also got in touch uh, again during the course of the show. Um he was on a on one of the club coaches and he sent us a picture of some bags on some seats that no longer contained people uh, after a service station stop and it seems that two basically two lads got got left at the services by the coach driver. Um and the HF picked them up to take them to the game and, and back, which was Wow nice. sorry returned them to the to the right coach. So fantastic stuff from the hf top top fellas for that because um, there's nothing worse than that imagine being stranded <laughs> with without all your stuff Fleet isn't? services wow glad there was a, a happy ending there and thanks for letting us know on that one pete so much appreciate
2: <laughs> fleet services which way are you going to stoke
1: who said <laughs> who said fleet did i say fleet no
4: i said no I... Alex, said alex are you all right mate <laughs> 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 I'd hate to drive up to Stoke, so uh, I'll stick to the trains. I'll stick to the direct train from wherever it? Is, where is it? Houston? Yeah.
2: I don't know. I'd, hate to, I'd hate to drive up to Stoke if you're going by a fleet. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: Wrong way. <laughs> anyway, um, so coming up in just a moment, we'll be talking about whether or not Dougie gets into the ultimate 25-man mm-hmm. squad. still a lot of debate going on on Twitter and various other places. If you want to have your say, holradio.net Forward slash vote, you can vote to in or bin Sir Douglas of Freedmanshire. I don't know why I said it like that, but I did deal with it. Um, so just before we do that, uh, I just try to go through my notes and make sure. Um, there's a stunning late block from Damo Hero. I basically most of my notes descended into lots of swearing when Chungi scored. Uh, <laughs> I can't really read out. Uh, and then it says full time 2-1 so that's that's how my notes ended um we've talked about conor wickham and how we coped without kabai of course um wayne hennessy also meant made a little note here that not only did he make some great saves but his handling was top notch uh, in those conditions as well uh caught an awful lot which is obviously his height does help in that circumstance but it was a very very difficult day to be a goalkeeper with the
2: wind swirling the way
1: it was tony you're interrupting me as i'm summing up what do you want
2: well, I was going to say in your summary as well. Uh, did anyone notice Balassi went down as he went to go celebrate the goal? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I can talk about injuries in just a bit. Um, Funny enough, as part of my summing up. But no, you're right. He did. He did, and he didn't really move too happily after that at all, did he? So um, again, he he's not one who's who tends to be out for that long with injuries. If it's just a little thing here and there, but you know, there's no word on it. Like, there's not not been any word on Wickham. Not been any word on Balassi, is there? So. Uh, they're, and their players we'd miss. You know, we, it's a very busy period for us, and there there are people picking up these injuries. I mean, let, let's have a quick chat about that. So let's say Balassi's out. Who are we looking to step up?
2: Uh, so I, I've turned exactly it to Mark Ross. <laughs>
1: um, I, again, I, I would think automatic oh, choice It's got to be chunky, isn't it?
5: Yeah, Lee it probably. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: Agreed.
1: But then obviously the harder one to, to work out is is Chemak uh, the right replacement for, for Connor Wickham, do we think? I'm going to ask you that, Patrick.
3: Yes. As big a fan as I am of his, I, I don't particularly like him as the main striker. I prefer him to be a little deeper. Um, but given our options, if it's not Wickham, he's the best option. Because his hold-up play is decent. His link-up play is excellent. So he'd be, he'd be the choice for me. Um, the shots are not going to come very often, but, you know, that's fine. We've got one goal from a forward all, all year, so that's going to be fine. But, yeah, I think, given our choices since Gale's still injured and obviously Frazier Campbell's not quite up to it. Yeah, I would go with Shemak up, up front next match. If um, I've to. just
1: I've just written also in my notes just demo I've written, and that's because... Um, As I a striker! You... Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Actually, no. No, like I said oh. about that shot, didn't I, earlier. Um, and I think that was basically because Dan gets a lot of the plaudits, and, and obviously Delaney um, has that little blot in his copybook there about giving away the, the penalty, but I genuinely thought he was superb, and I, and I think that's why I've written the word Damo in my notes. I can never really tell, though. I could have been thinking about something else. Let's talk Man of the Match. Uh, Alex, you've got a little...
4: Uh, yeah, well, I'm about? with um, the rest of the BBS. You know, the, the 356 other voters of the BBS for uh, Hennessy. I thought it was just outstanding, but a special mention to to, 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 to Demo. I thought it was... Brilliantness today. I think it was a rock. Him and Dan, you know, they're they're, they're winning these games for us with their their performances at the back. And yeah, I think that those three were just outstanding. Um,
1: I think seventy two percent of the voting, are, you know, nearly five hundred votes for Hennessy. That's probably the, the biggest margin I've ever seen. Anyone got any kind of different opinion on who's the man of the match there?
3: Me, you, ooh, yeah. No, though. No, I mean, obviously, you you give it to Hennessy, but I'm really big on. Play him having a big moment in the game, and I think Lee's goal it was a yeah. huge turning point. Obviously, it was a great goal. So, obviously, Hennessy not made those great saves. It would be, it's going to be Hennessy. but I think Lee would be a very, for me, a very close second because that goal was. I mean, he was on the pitch for not that long, and it was a fantastic goal. So, I would, I would honestly, because we won the match and the way we won it, I give Lee a very close second. It's
1: an individual moment of brilliance. A few yeah. people did vote for him
5: in the same way on the BBS poll. Lucy. Um. I'm gonna say Hennessy out of the match because I just thought it was brilliant. But I just wanted to mention James McArthur because we haven't really mentioned him, and I just thought he was a bit of an unsung hero yesterday because he was missing Kabai. I thought, but it just, it just every game he just gets stuck in, and I just, I, think, I just wanted to give him a little mention.
1: No, I think it's a really good point you make. Like you say, he did miss Kabai, and he couldn't play his natural game that he plays when Kabai is there. He had to kind of do a few different things and. You know, he was the one who got forward quite a lot to to see if anyone was going to cut back to him, which they largely didn't. When we got forward, but you know, he did. He had moments of that game where you know he seemed to struggle to keep possession and all that kind of stuff. But with him, he just never gives up. You know, it's it's always everything's done with the maximum amount of effort. And you know, when he does give the ball away, you know, he gets it back. You know, and he just makes it difficult for everyone. um, You know, every every opponent. So. Um, yeah, you're right to bring that up. You know, we've talked about him before. Obviously, seven, you know, seven or eight out of ten every single week without fail. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, good to highlight that. Even even when he's uh, you know even when he's off his off his game for whatever reason, he's still at least a seven out of ten, which is fantastic to see. Uh, anyway, we've got your four word reviews coming right up, and after that, we'll be talking about Ducky Friedman. Is it
4: in or bin? Four word reviews. The Force Awakens from Mummy
3: White. We rode our luck at GP London. Winning away for fun, Quinton soldan Wayne Hennessy, superkeeper, Matt Atkinson.
5: What an absolute screamer, Dan McKee.
1: Sorry, innuendo overload, innuendo
4: overload. Went <laughs> right, uh, Stoke, robbed him. Nick Gillard.
2: Bill Allen says, we outstoke Stoke Stoke. No goodbye, no problem, Robert Seltzer.
3: At Jason CPFC, smash and grab win.
5: Show me the money Kevin Childs
4: My favourite Martin Walsh with Hughes as a twat <laughs> Doggy
2: performance
3: Great victory
2: Simon West Kevin Estef Lee Transfer window January
3: <laughs> Winka Hamovich Chungy Dino Smash Potters at CPFC underscore Dave That's not good Harsh <laughs> oh, criticism sure,
5: Great win Merry Christmas
3: Wayne Walton Thanks Wayne Same teammate.
0: Review the game next
2: week by tweeting hashtag forward review to add whole radio. The All Time Palace
0: 25 Man Squad.
2: Tweet us your suggestions and we'll choose in or bin.
1: It's like I said before, this, this obviously you don't know the feature, hopefully you do, Ultimate 25 Man Squad feature. We're trying to build the best 25 man squad of all time. It's, um... You know, the further we get into this, the more debate we are getting. And um, it's certainly, uh, you know, this this week, I think, is going to be the tensest one of all. Um, because we're, we're discussing a man who people can't make up their minds whether they love or hate him already, you know. Um, and now we've got to talk about whether or not, as a player, he was actually physically good enough to get back into the team. Uh, sorry, to get back into the team, to get into this squad. Um, we've had some... I say plenty of votes come in from the listeners on holradio.net forward slash vote. Your last opportunity to do that if you want to have your say. That's holradio.net forward slash votes. Um, but yeah, um, so we're going to hear from the panel and what they think. Obviously, majority of people listening to this, I think, would have seen Dougie play for Palace at least one of the occasions that, um, that he was part of the club. So uh, that's that itself kind of it has been overshadowed if you like by by what happened by as Dougie the manager but I think again a lot of people maybe myself included have kind of made their peace with that since we've um, moved on to, to bigger and better things and um, you know I kind of wish Dougie well at Nottingham Forest so, so it's an interesting situation a lot of emotion um, I'm going to pick up on a few uh, Twitter comments that we got in earlier on and I'll have a look on Twitter a bit some more um, who is this this is Elias of Holmesdale uh, he said that definitely have Dougie in the squad. Been going since the 70s. He's one of the most intelligent and gifted strikers. And then finishes with saying Stockport 2001, which I think a lot of people uh, will be thinking of. Uh, Graham Smith, who does the excellent Palace podcast, um, says tough one after the betrayal. Uh, Rickers has said uh, him for me he's in uh, CPFC legend and walks into that squad. Uh, CPFC said supporters, um, 100% in. Scored crucial goals, helped develop young players and turned Clinton Morrison into a goal machine and then broke my heart. <laughs> Which is a <laughs> terribly sad way to end. Um, last couple of these. marks uh, Smethurst has gone for. He has to be in the squad. Scored goals at important times. or we forgetting Stockport away? Was my hero in my teens. Hashtag in. And Tim Green has gone with. Got to be in the squad purely as a super sub. Great footballing intelligence. Not so much when it comes to career choices. Um, few there in the chat room, I guess, Lucy?
5: Yeah. There's a few comments. I'm just trying to read them. Uh, John Program Seller says Dougie is a legend as a player. Whatever anyone says, uh, Cool Eagle 89 said Dougie scored good goals and was very clever player who created loads of goals for Clinton. And then King B says, will always be a legend for as long as I live, scored plenty of goals and gave me some great football memories from my childhood. But King B goes on to say, however, I voted been because I still say Peter Simpson should be in the 25 ultimate squad.
1: Well, there you go. Um, Peter Simpson is, is scratching the surface of um, <laughs> the number of people you think about. Certainly, um, our conversation during the week with Clinton Morrison, he suggested that if he wasn't in there, he was going to perform some sort of violence on us. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, be, we'll have Clint on to talk about that a bit later on.
2: He is from South <laughs> London as well. He
1: is, yeah. Now I've, I've slightly exaggerated that he was—he would have been upset, shall we say, if, um, <laughs> if he if he wasn't voted in. And um, obviously, Clint's one of my all-time favourite players as well. So I'll, I'll be devastated if he didn't get into the, into the squad. But it's not just him. There's been. Been countless forwards. Um, my brain has gone absolutely blank. We were talking, been talking about them all week. And my, yeah, Chris Armstrong was another one that was uh, was quite. And obviously, we had uh, Budgie Burn, who I never saw, but so the AJ of, as
4: well.
1: Uh, AJ's already in there, mate. Do you want, oh, is he? Just know uh, uh, <laughs> someone, someone hasn't been listening.
5: <clears throat> I'm not, I listen every week. <laughs> um,
1: so in, in in the forwards, we've got two spaces left, and we've got right Bright, and and AJ in there at the moment. Okay. So if you think about all the all the players we've had up front, I mean, Gareth Taylor. Um,
3: <laughs>
1: <That's funny. laughs> sorry. It's, I know some, someone actually voted for him this week as well, which made me laugh. He's just like the worst strike I've ever seen in my life. But um, uh, Sam Boyle there mentioning Swindlehurst. Sam. Oh, so there's just, you know, it's it's going to be a tough, tough couple of... Uh, Couple of decisions here. So we're talking about Dougie. Um, let's get our own our own views on this. I will start with you, Lucy. Actually, um, the hero worship for Dougie, but does he make it? As bear in mind, we're talking about a 25-man squad. We're talking about ability. Um, we're not. We're not talking about you know. Well, I suppose you are. We talking about you know what he's done for the club. I suppose that's your decision to make.
5: Okay, so I had to think about this, and I said to you guys pre-show, um, he was in my ultimate five-man squad. So for me, Dougie's an in purely because of what he did for us as a player. It still breaks my heart what happened as manager, but he was he was just a fantastic player. It's he, you know, he kind of bled red and blue for the time that he was with us, and that's so important to a player that you've got to be so focused and like. You've got to love the club as much as the fans do. Whether you love them afterwards, it doesn't really matter, I guess. But, yeah, absolutely in for me.
1: So you've already given your vote of in. I think six of us are voting in total. Uh, so potentially it could be a 3-3 draw. Uh, we have said uh, uh, earlier on that if it's a 3-3 draw, we're going to give Clinton Morrison the deciding vote. <laughs> 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 Uh, Tony, uh, talk. A little, is, is, what, what does Dougie mean to you, and is he good enough to get in that twenty-five man squad?
2: I, I'm massively struggling with this decision because I'm trying to go with a heart versus head uh, situation. Because Dougie was one of my all-time favourite players. Uh, he did score a lot of important goals, and I'm trying to work my head's thinking. Well, based on ability, he he never really did it in the in in the top flight. You know, you look at the other three strikers we've got in there; they've all. They did it fantastically with us.
1: Tony Tony has got so emotional about Dougie Friedman that he's just, he had just had to stop talking. We'll try and get Tony's vote at the very least in just a moment. Um, I, I think he's going to, never mind. <laughs> shut up, shut up. you <laughs> are already going to cause problems in a minute, I know you are. I know I am, get um, ready for it. Oh, I'll save you until after Alex has had his say,
0: go on Alex.
4: Um, well for me, uh, the, the players that stand out for me, are the ones that were involved in big moments and that uh, You know, you look back and you think, you know, Zaha at the Amex and at Wembley. Um, You look at, you know, Shipley in Cardiff. Uh, You look at Ambrose at at Hillsborough. Um, But if I take that logic, then, you know, I'm saying that Shipley should be in the ultimate squad. But for me, I think that that goal at Stockport was just vital for our history. I think we could have gone a completely different path. We look at that goal as well at Hillsborough saying that's sort of the second stage there in that goal. If that didn't go in, then... Um if we didn't get that result at Hillsville, we could have gone a completely different path, you know, with the administration. So for me, I look at it as, you know, who who secured the hi- the history of the club and Freeman, that goal at Stockport, was just so important for us at the time. And for me, based on that and based on his antics, you know, in the in the championship scoring and lots of goals for us, I feel that, you know, he was a bit unlucky in the Premier League under Dowry. I don't think he got a lot of chances. Um obviously, you know, he was behind AJ. Um, AJ was phenomenal that season, but there were moments where it would have been great to, for, for Freeman to be more involved in, in that season. I think maybe he could have proved himself because you know he was quite a good, talented all-round all forward. I think he held the ball up really well, he tremendous finishing ability, um, and if he, if it's between him and Clint, you know I, I'd have to go with Freeman. But you know, sorry
1: dagger to my heart, mate.
4: Um, <laughs> go on, so you've got to call it. You've got to call it. Uh, you know, but then saying that, it's like you know Johnny Byrne just just reading stuff about him and reading about Peter Simpson. I think it's difficult to justify a place for for Freeman in this, in this squad because um, you know we've only got two spots available. So for me, it's a bin, but a reluctant bin because without him, you know we might not be talking now. You know we might not be talking. We might be. We might might not be. You know still around as a football club. So for me, so important to our history, a tremendous player. But unfair that he's got so many other great players in front of him.
1: Well, controversial stuff from Alex there. Um, are we going to get more controversy from Mr. Patrick O'Quinn?
3: <laughs> well, there is no doubt that Dougie was a tremendous player. Um, he was a very unique player. I like the way he played. He did. He wasn't the, the tro- prototypical striker. He had uh, something about him in the way he played, the way he passed. His movement was excellent. I think something I really liked about him is that his movement. They tried to teach some of our younger players. Like I heard that Jake Gray plays a lot like uh, Dougie Friedman in the way that he moves. And I liked my playing that Stockport game. I remember listening to it on the radio here over here in, in America on BBC World Service. It was a great moment, a signature moment. I mean, it's something that I'll never forget. And that and Alex like said that kept us, that kept us going. But if you want to look at it, could we only have two spots left? I mean, you've got Peter Simpson, Clinton Morrison, and Byrne, and you know, and other people might put others on there. We've got three players in there who, to me, have, have did it on the, at the top level for us in, in right Bright, and obviously AJ. And I don't think anybody could really argue those three. You might want to argue um, Dougie. But I'm going to be honest and say that if I'm going to be left with two spots left and want to mess to go to Dougie, I just I really couldn't do it as much as I liked him. And I'm going to add this one last part. I still have something against him because he's just a manager. And I think that's really not supposed to come into this, but that really still does bother me, and I'm trying to let it go, but I can't. So um, I'm going to have to, unfortunately, as great a player as he was, and he did a lot for us. And it so wouldn't be where we are now wasn't for Dougie Freeman as a manager. I'm going to have to bid him as a player.
1: Wow. So we've got a bin from Alex, a bin from Patrick, an in from Lucy. Um, I know Tony wasn't in. He's told us. We're trying to get him back on the call now. But uh, Tony did vote for an in. So that's two apiece. Um, this is going to get messy. Ooh. Come on,
3: Ambo. It's on you, mate. Let's go. <laughs>
1: So me, so I don't want to go over the same ground everyone else has gone over, but um, I, w- I will sort of nod my head to the fact that one of the, one of the thought, um, thoughts it, I had was that Dougie's never done it at the top level. Um, you know, that's not really necessarily his fault. That's just the eras that he's played for Paladin in, um, and you know, some selection issues and various things like that. So like, you know, you know, he he hasn't had a sustained. Um, spell in the Premier League. So how can how can I judge his ability? Um, well, you can, can't you? You can judge his ability against other, um, you know, against the, the players he's played with, and you know, alongside or um, on the players that you've seen in that spell as well. And Dougie was a superb footballer. And, you know, he scored over 100 goals. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the moments, isn't it? It's those magical moments that he... That he was part of the Stockport goal was just the importance of that goal just cannot ever be underestimated. For people now who are Palace fans now that cannot <laughs> remember what that was, what that meant. You know, this this was Palace going just going basically. You know what I mean? And and then he did it again. You know, <laughs> you know as part of the whole the uh, management team, the Sheffield Wednesday escape, you know that kind of stuff. And you know he's. He, he's kind of in the fabric and you know he when when CPFC 2010 took over you know he mowed, mowed the grass at the training ground and stuff like that you know he did did everything for the club and yes he, he made a he made a bad decision he was offered a huge contract by another club and, and he just decided that he was gonna he was gonna follow that and, and take that opportunity because he was still considered a rookie manager at Palace you know and and, and to be fair, you know he'd had a horrible run, barring those last magical eight games that we talk about. You know, <laughs> um, you know, as manager. So again, and he he was a rookie, uh, and, and we've seen since that he's managed some difficult situations in, in Bolton now and now at Forest. But you know, it, I, I, I'm I am desperately trying not to say <laughs> my decision. Say, it. say um, it. So. No, that's my thought. That that's how great he is as a, as a footballer and as a person. You know, he he was superb for us. I'm trying. I only the point I'm stuck on is: is he a better striker? Is he, does he deserve to be in that squad ahead of Clinton Morrison? You know, I'm talking about. You know, Cl- Clinton is one of my all-time favorite players. I, you know, because he was just he was deadly in a Palace shirt. You know, um, scored more goals, of course. <laughs> just. Um, and I've just got so much time and respect for Clinton Morrison. The fact he came through our youth system, all that kind of stuff. Oh, and, then, and then there's, you know, Chris Armstrong was mentioned. Armstrong was a superb striker, absolutely magnificent striker. And then, even then, you go back, and we'll, we'll talk about these in a bit. There's loads of stuff in the chat room and on Twitter uh, from the um, fans of a bygone generation. They're going to hate me for saying it like that. I just couldn't get the words out. I'm sorry. Sorry, Mike Timms. But he was saying, "So no, no, Johnny Byrne. Please change from all-time to Premier League era, and that's what we're talking about. It's very tough when you when you talk about players that you haven't seen. But again, you look at the scoring record of Peter Simpson. There's a lot you can tell from that. From you know, there's a lot of research you can do. There's a lot of logic you can apply to say that you know, obviously, all-time he's got to be a great striker. Johnny Byrne, the the way people who saw him play talk about him, you know, the, the esteem he's held in." that tells you everything you know it's it's so it's so it's such a tough choice so if i'm i'm gonna say that there are there are two spots left and there are more than two strikers better than dougie friedman i think but what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go and check the listener votes uh, and see how the listeners have voted <laughs> the listeners have voted for an in uh-oh so i've got basically so we've got three for in two for bin and it's down to me I don't like this I don't like this one little bit
5: are you like len Goodman on strictly like your decision is final and yes
1: it should if be. you say
5: bin or in whichever that's it
1: it's because I don't like the oh you well I, well that's exactly it because if I say <laughs> bin I could I could employ that tactic um I'll tell you what I'm gonna do what I said I want to go I'm gonna go with bin gut feeling bin uh, people will hate me for it particularly oh. Terrence, i know but what we've got is we've got a three three there that is a draw so that is a neither here nor there and i'm going to do what i said we're going to get in touch with clinton morrison at some point over the next few weeks
0: <laughs> and clinton
1: is going to make the call on that one uh, let's, let's leave that one there for now thank you very much for everyone who got in touch um, keep those coming in as well uh, go to holradio.net forward slash um contact and get in touch with us by uh, by email and stuff like that get your views across and we'll see what we can do there um so well i mean it's, it's left it a little bit out in the open but that's that's the problem that's what we're going to get it's a it's a wonderful feature that, that producer tom came up with that's going to give me serious problems sleeping <laughs> so um that's I, I think i think we'll probably leave it there i was going to have a quick bit of a discussion about um how far do we think this team can go but i think we're going to save that for um for our Christmassy podcasts that are coming right up. Next game, of course, is Bournemouth on Boxing Day. Remains to be seen um, whether or not we're going to be able to pick from a, a fully fit squad. Don't know what those injury the injury situations uh, are at the moment, so it could be it'd be very interesting to see who, who lines up in that one. Of course, um, the next live show after today is actually not until the January the tenth. Really sorry to, to tell you that, but don't worry. It's just the fact that we're not. Um, We're not doing live shows. We will be doing podcasts. I think we've got a lot of plans for the Christmas podcast, so I think it's going to end up being a series of podcasts the way it's going at the moment. But a lot of it depends on time and availability of people. But we will, of course, be back, uh, back live once the you know, once we've had a little bit of a break, to be honest with you, on January the 10th. So keep your eyes peeled, uh, for the announcements of the podcast. And of course, uh, I take this opportunity to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Um, hope you're, uh, I hope you have a good one. I hope your family enjoyed themselves and all that kind of stuff. I sort of said it in quite a strange voice. I kind of got, uh, kind <laughs> of got the creepy. old thing yeah, I went creepy. Why did that happen? <laughs> someone can you, someone rescue me from this sort of
4: creepy thing
3: that I've ended up in.
5: Yes, Patrick's coming over, everyone. Oh, yeah, 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 he is. Yeah. Patrick
4: O'Connor.
3: Yeah. I cannot Central wait to my radio family. I really so can't. So exciting.
1: So we're all going to meet up for the Swansea game. If you see us about looking sort of confused slash drunk, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do, come, do come and say hi. Um, exactly. we'll, we'll be glad to talk to you, uh, especially Patrick once he realises what we're all like. He'll be glad. <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. Cheers for listening, everyone, and we'll see you again soon. Bye now.
0: about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.